Hey everybody, we're the Con Artists. We're back for another podcast episode. This time we're going to be talking about Kill a Kill. It's just Dan and I this time talking about this show. Um, so disclaimer, we're going to be discussing some minor spoilers for the show. So if you're super sensitive to spoilers, you might want to save this one till you've actually watched Kill a Kill. Um, we are going to be talking about a little bit of sexual content that's in the show. So if you're somebody who listens to us at work, make sure you put in some headphones. Alrighty, so Kill a Kill. This has got to be like one of the most talked about shows... In quite a while, Dan. I'm excited to get to this episode. Uh, it, it's hard to describe this show to other people. You know, I actually had my boyfriend's sister ask about it when we were at dinner one time. She's like, do you know that anime with the clothes? And I was like, kill a kill. Yeah, that'd How be the one. How do I describe this show to her? <laughs> it's, it's, it's really a, uh, it's almost like a decomposition of a shonen, but I, I think we're going to get into that a little bit later. I'm I'm kind of gonna leave it to you. It's like an exaggerated shonen show with intense fight sequences. I don't know. Take it from there. All right. Well, the it is as you said, kind of hard to describe. But the basic overview of the series is essentially a tournament fighter through the lens of over the top action. Uh over-the-top fan service, and absolutely just general general behooties. That's the best way I could describe this uh, thing. If there's one word I could use to describe it. Um, because what goes on is this girl comes to this school, this fictional school, where all of these students have uniforms that are empowered by something called uh, life fibers. You find this out fairly early on. And these uniforms give everyone, you know, greater strength, speed, all of that kind of crazy stuff. And the leaders of all of the various school clubs all have their own unique power, whether it be some kind of uh, crazy girl from the tennis club or this one mook from the boxing club. They've all got, like, various themed powers. Um, and this girl comes to this school looking to find the person who killed her father and she's carrying this sword that's a half of a uh, pair of scissors. They call it a scissor blade for obvious reasons. And uh, she basically fights her way through all of the mooks, trying to originally, at least it's at the beginning, get to the woman who runs the school, uh, this woman named Satsuki. The main character's name is uh, Ryuko, but we'll get into details about them later. Um, and as it goes on, she discovers things are more complicated than just her father being ki than her father being killed. He was involved with this school and everything else that uh, went on, and it basically boils down to lots of crazy hyperactive fights, some really good music, and uh, as you said, it's a typical shonen sort of tournament style show, but with updated visuals and the kind of craziness that you get from a lot of the same people who worked on things like Gurren Lagann, because this is Studio Trigger we're talking about, and a lot of the people, a lot of the staff moved on from that project quite quickly onto this one afterwards, so that's right. uh, that's what you're looking at. Yeah, it's it's definitely crazy. Uh, just a side note, uh, Hawano Suryuki, who does the music for Zero, because you guys have heard me talk about how much I love that soundtrack, actually does the soundtrack for this show. Oh, too, I didn't know that. So. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy. So, 
Yeah, that that's probably the best way to describe it. It's just, it's crazy, and it's so over the top, and everything is insanely exaggerated. You know, the first time that Ryoko enters Honoji Academy, the camera has to pan upward to this ginormous spire where Satsuki's just standing there with her sword, looking <laughs> like she owns the universe, which she kind of does, <laughs> you know, with the wind blowing in her hair. And it's just, it's just this massive, massive building <laughs> that could never exist anywhere else. So I, I think visually it's a lot of fun because it just takes, it takes everything it wants to do and just extremes it out. Oh yeah, I know it's not a word, but it the, it it just makes everything so extreme, as to be almost a almost a gag. It's like it's making fun of itself, but taking itself seriously enough that you are just always having a good time. Yeah, I'm probably describing it badly, but it's it's a really neat show visually, I think, to behold because it's it's very rare. I was thinking about this before we even started talking, Dan, like, what would I compare Kill a Kill to? And I think it's got a gentle helping of Gurren Lagan in there. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's certainly got some other Gynaxy type stuff, but it is very unique. Yeah. So the, yeah, Gurren Lagan is probably the only other, I'd say, main, vaguely mainstream uh, title that I could compare it to. Character designs are very reminiscent of it. Um, a lot of the, you know, very bold colors, very, uh, the animation is, I wouldn't call it fluid, uh, but it is very expressive. As you said, oh, everything's insanely expressive. Yeah. yeah. Everything's over the top. Everything's writ large, but at least internally it's being played almost, uh, wholly straight when, you know, things are supposed to be dramatic. So it makes you buy into the craziness of everything, even though it's utterly absurd. So it's a whole lot of fun to watch. Um, the action is great. The, you know, the, the visuals are very bold and very bright and very, you know, engaging. So there's a lot of yeah. good in this whole, in this whole thing. Yeah, there was a ton of fun. And I, I think you and I even agreed we liked the character Mako. I'm not even going to try with her last name. <laughs> it's huge. Um, <laughs> Mako, who is the comic relief character, I think her and, like, her whole family are the comic relief character. She makes friends with Ryoko pretty early on by sh sheer force, is the only way I could describe it. And she's just nuts. Like, she's always appearing at the most random moments, and, uh, like, mm -hmm. Hallelujah plays when she shows up, and oh, everyone's yeah. like, it's Mako! And she's just so weird. And in any other show, I told myself, I'd be like, you'd be that loud, obnoxious friend that I desperately want to strangle. Mm -hmm. That's played up for like the moe cutesy fun angle. And she just fits so well in a world where like Satsuki and Ryoko are so serious all the time. Mm -hmm. And Mako jumps in in the most random points where she's just like, ha ha. You know, I'm I'm not even close to serious. She like breaks tension <laughs> instantaneously and always I feel like at the right times. Yeah. Mankan Shoku, that's I think how her last name is pronounced. I have try anyway. I have no idea, but uh yeah, she's I'll kind of anyway. like she's kind of like the anti tuxedo mask. Yeah, she is she's throwing right. The anti tuxedo she jumps in at the, the wrong times and everyone's like Ankanchoku, really? Like, you're a nobody. And she's like, oh, I know, but I'm here anyway. And you're like, all right, thanks, girlfriend. It, 
yeah, they like everything else in the show, they make her so ridiculous that you're almost kind of gobsmacked in disbelief that you can't quite believe that they're, you know, going as crazy as they are with her. So it helps alleviate what would otherwise be a very, very irritating character. But uh, right, yeah, no, right, she's agreed. she's a lot of fun. Um, Satsuki's yeah. intense. I loved Satsuki oh, yeah. from the beginning. She's just, that, the first time I saw her standing on the top of that spire with this giant sword in this uniform, I was like, all right, there's my character right there. Mm-hmm. There she is. She's like the calm, collected one watching the hothead Ryoko like, I'm going to destroy you. And Satsuki's like, I, I think not. No. Uh, she, no one, I don't think I've ever seen a character embody disdain as well as her. Uh, Satsuki, yeah. <laughs> She has she has a she has a scowl on her face that just ah could set people on fire with her scorn. Yes, yes, that's it's just hilarious. Mm. That's a perfect way to describe her, actually. So interestingly enough, I have not called us together to talk about the plot of this show because I think most people have seen Kill a Kill by this point, and uh, anyone who wanted to see it anyway. So, we're not going to talk about the plot. I'm actually way more interested, Dan, in your thoughts and my thoughts on what it did for the industry. Mm. Because it, um, we're going to discuss how it could be a feminist dream show or a feminist nightmare show. And Mm. I think the whole idea that it can embody either one of those things is just fascinating. So, that's that's really why I want to talk about this show today. So... I think on the feminist support side, you know, all the really strong characters are women. And I'm not using strong in a sense of just personality. I mean, when these women fight each other, like, you feel like your jaw is rattling with the force at which they collide. I mean, it works with the show, too. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we've met, we've said the word over the top and of times to kill the british army here but <laughs> it's it's just like they'll smash into each other and you know half the school will explode backwards you know it's got that like dragon ball z style energy explosions that come off these characters i mean they are physically intense characters physically strong female characters and that never deviates oh, in the show absolutely they're always they're always like that and I would say that, yeah, not only are they physically strong, as you said, that's obvious from the get-go, but both uh, Ryuko and Satsuki, as I would say the two primary driving uh, forces behind the plot and behind the story, they're also, they're very driven on their own. They back up their words with action. Even Oh man, yeah. agency is everywhere in this show. Absolutely. Even though, you know, Satsuki could be, you know, just the big bad who sits behind her squad of superpowered lieutenants to do that do her bidding all of the time. But whenever she's whenever she wants to, she will step in and do whatever needs to be done. And uh her mother, uh Ragio, I believe is her name, um yep. while evil and one of the primary antagonists of the whole thing is also totally in control. She is, she got to where she is by being utterly ruthless and calculating. And, uh, even when she is, you know, confronted by unexpected, uh, circumstances, she is always ready to, you know, try to find a way to turn that around to her advantage. So all of these characters, not only do they act strong, they are physically and mentally and, 
I guess, just emotionally very, very strong. There's a lot of force behind them. They're big, bold personalities, and that's a lot to go with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Okay, so we need to describe a little something about the show here. Um, So the way it ends up working out is that clothing and thusly nudity play a really big part in this show. And uh, the way it plays out is that Ryoko ends up like finding her dad's laboratory after she gets an utter thrashing from Satsuki the first time around. And uh, she falls through the, the roof into the basement and she finds this, what looks like a sailor uniform, a Fuku uniform. And it starts talking to her and it's like, wear me now. And she's like, Oh my gosh, why does it talk? Why is it? Oh, geez. why does it have teeth? <laughs> Ah, what is it of a face? And it it jumps on top of her and manhandles her. I mean, physically manhandles her into wearing it. And then she ends up transforming into this... You gotta look it up yourself. It is undeniably one of the most scandalous things I've ever seen a female wear in anime. And that's saying something. It's... Oh, it's real bad. And uh, it feeds off of her blood and there's a plot that rolls along with that. And so she shows up back at the academy and they're like oh my gosh it's senketsu you know she found the senketsu and that gives her the power to fight against the enemy but it is very embarrassing she doesn't really like wearing it the first time around and uh, satsuki's got one of her own it's known as junketsu and she's just as bad i mean dan you have the perfect word for it the battle thong is what you call it yeah Um, that thing is that thing is intense holy cow um, so fan service is just running rampant in this show every which way you turn. And this is where I think things got a little weird um, and a little dicey in terms of actually having strong female characters. Because the first time, like I was saying, that Ryoko ends up in this outfit, she really doesn't like it. She's like, I am really uncomfortable right now. I, I don't like this at all. And um, when she ends up fighting Satsuki, she realizes that she needs the power of Senketsu in order to even stand a chance. Mm. And Satsuki has no qualms whatsoever with doning Junketsu. And this, this for me was really interesting because unlike Ryoko, who could really swing the vote in, in the feminist direction or not, Satsuki is never turned into a sex object. I think it's... Even when she's wearing Junketsu, like, the camera, aside from the transformations, which I'll let you talk about, Mm -hmm. the camera never spins, like, under her or, like, in a position such that she is clearly being framed as a sexual object. And I thought that was really interesting, because normally in moments like that, like, you would think that the purpose of that outfit is 180% ogling, and when... Mm -hmm. Satsuki's involved, I didn't actually feel that way. And it's it's rare that a show could manage to pull that off. Hmm. I've heard something to the effect of the idea behind the fan service being so ridiculous and over the top was to desensitize you to it. So that by the, you know, by the middle third of the show or whatever, it's just become background noise. And to a degree, I think that is true. But that still doesn't completely, I guess, absolve the show of being a little bit creepy in that regard. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, because as you said, like, 
both of their outfits are exceedingly revealing, which is kind of weird because I frankly think that their uh, regular outfits are actually actually look a lot better. They're a lot cooler. But oh, that's, undeniably, yeah, that's yeah, that's personal. That, that's personal taste. That's very subjective. But uh, even so, the transformation sequences, as you said, are probably the point of greatest uh, ridiculousness because they that. All of their clothes, you know, they fly. Uh, they fly off at first, and then uh, you get just incredibly close, uncomfortably detailed shots of the clothing wrapping around them and just like getting up into every nook and cranny. I am not right. exaggerating. Right, it actually it wraps around the most like late, and then it tightens yeah. really fast, so everything gets accentuated really quick, and you're like, oh, okay. I feel. I feel that we have gotten to know each other far better than we were expecting. So let's uh, let's back off, give ourselves a little bit of space. But right, and then uh, the uh, the camera definitely swings mm. in very uncomfortable positions. So. Uh, if you've seen the transformation sequence, you know you probably know exactly what we're referring to. But uh, right, right, the way the yeah. camera swings underneath and stuff like uh, that. So. Yeah, it is. Like I said, it can be very uncomfortable to watch. You do sort of get used to it after a while, but even so, it's kind of uh, it. It definitely will creep you out a little bit initially, and unless you have a particularly uh, strong stomach for such things. I know Scott in particular has some kind of filter in his brain that he can just slap down, and he just does not notice fan service. But that's a that's, that is that his gift. That mind. is his curse. Yeah, that blows my mind because I I too had a rough time with mm. this, and you know the fact that. Ryoko has to do this to compete with the other characters later on. I mean, forget Satsuki's so super powerful, but mm. to compete with anybody, like any of the crazy leaders of the clubs you were talking about in the beginning, yeah. she's got to have the Senketsu on, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it never gets any better. It's always just super sketchy. Oh, absolutely. And that's in some ways one of the one of the points where I think there's a big strike against it if you're looking if you're trying to look at it from a feminist perspective uh the girls are all essentially forced or not all but these two in particular the strongest of the of the women in this show are effectively required to wear these incredibly skimpy revealing outfits in order to be on a level playing field it's not something that they do because they want to. It's something they do because they have to. Even if they eventually accept it and think like, okay, it doesn't really matter what I'm wearing as long as I'm accomplishing my goals. That's the important thing. And that's certainly true. But it is still, it is still this kind of nagging thought. While on the other side of the fence, you've got men in the show. There's a uh, underground resistance originally to Satsuki and her mother and uh, all of the you know, underhanded plots that the school uh, is engaged in. There's this uh, rebel group called Nudist Beach, said in English every single time. With yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> but hilarious. Uh, that it's mostly dudes, but there's plenty of women there there too. But like the leader's a guy, and as their title would suggest, they fight pretty much in the raw and uh, with just like ammo pouches and belts and whatnot in strategic uh, positions so that they don't have to uh, actually, you know, make this NC-17 or whatever. 
So in the end, both genders are pl- are showing plenty of skin, but with the guys, it's almost always shown as something to be something that is funny. Like where the guy takes off his shirt and then it slowly falls away as like bombastic, ridiculous music plays in the background, and all of the female characters are on screen with this look on their face, like really, really, this is happening now. You serious, guy? Yeah. Whereas yeah, when that's, the that's girls, true. when the girls are all get naked, of course, it's the typical like the guys are all flabbergasted and you know really, really into it. There's the blood shooting out of the nose, all of that traditional stuff. Right. And yeah, while you could be, you could say, yeah, that's meant to be. That's meant more as you know humor than titillation. It's your mileage may vary when it comes to uh, which of those which of those uh, tacks you're going to uh, take. But I think it functions in the the way the transformation sequence works too. Like mm. I don't think with the men you got as up close and personal with the camera angles and with the the wrapping of the oh absolutely the life fibers. Yeah, I don't think it was nearly as creepy and awkward to watch you were just like oh okay the men get to transform too so it's like they threw it in there clearly to be like look 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 we're totally being fair to both genders like they're basically everybody's naked but there's there's a caveat in there that they don't get as intimate with the male Mm. transformation as they do with the female transformation that is yeah i think that is the uh good long and short of it you've hit the nail on the head as far as that goes yeah yeah, most definitely. You know what, what's funny, Dan? Every time I hear you like talk about what the show is about, if you weren't so serious, I <laughs> would honestly think this was your like drunken police tape. <laughs> it's like we're gonna listen back on this, and you're like, so then this underground resistance that fights Sasuke, nudist beach, said in English, like, okay, Dan, okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's great. That's great. Can you speak I closer know. into the uh, into the recorder, please? Yes, tell us more about nudist beach. Wink, wink. Uh. Oh, dear. Okay, so yeah. um, Now, here was an interesting thing. I found myself watching, and I ran straight into episode... I think you thought it was 16. I thought it was 19. I can't remember now. We should have looked this up before we started. It's somewhere in that range. Yeah, one of the the late teens. Yeah, one of the late teens. I even looked it up, and now I can't remember either, but... uh... Point it. Oh. Point is a good way into the series. Right, your brain is blocking it. Mm-hmm. So a good way into the series. Yeah, there, there's a sequence where um, this is actually where you figure out Satsuki is not a villain. Spoilers. Exactly. So yeah. she shows up to her mother Ragio's big castle fortress thing, and Ragio is just a lunatic. <laughs> and so Ragio is like, "It's time, Satsuki, for me to like unleash your true potential." And unleashing her true potential definitely ends up being Satsuki and her mother naked in a hot spring-like bath, where Ragio just ends up fingering Satsuki for yeah, several minutes. It's it's very uncomfortable. It's I, I wouldn't call it super graphic, but it's graphic enough that you are fully aware of what's going on in that sequence. Absolutely. There is there is no question about it. So this is this is definitely for almost everyone I've talked to. Uh my friend uh one of my friends and I watched this together and I was kind of bracing myself for it the whole time. I knew that it was coming, but I didn't know when and when it happened, he and I just kind of spent the next 5 minutes Sort of with our with our with our chin in our hands, thinking like, 
Why was this necessary? What we get that this woman is evil. It's it's unnecessary to show her just straight up molesting her daughter. There is there is nothing about that that makes me think that she is more evil than I thought when she was working on a plot to enslave and consume the entire human race. Right, right. And I think that really shows Trigger's weakness and almost like their inability to comprehend that their writing was strong enough. They're like, well, we don't have a, an evil enough villain. So they felt the need to add like sexual assault into the into her resume. I I couldn't understand it either. It was very uncomfortable for me to watch and that actually was the the barrier for me to ever owning the series and it actually makes it really hard for me to recommend the series. I know Scott and sometimes Brendan have an easier time being like, "Oh, you know, watch this show but skip this one episode." Like I have a very hard time with this one. Mm. It's like, yeah, watch this show and mentally skip over the whole sexual molestation part. Uh-huh. Because, you know, it's there, it's prominent, and you're absolutely right. In terms of the story, it doesn't mean it. Narratively, it doesn't mean it. It's not like it unlocks Satsuki's secret hidden potential or whatever she's talking about. No, as far as we it's can tell, not, it's just there for... Right, it just... doesn't do anything of the sort to help the narrative. And exactly like you said, and this was a point I didn't think of, so it was brilliant on your own Luther's part, it does nothing for her character. No, not at all. It's it's gratuitous. That is that is the only word I can use to accurately describe it. And, I mean, they could have even included it and simply faded to black and let your mind fill in what happened, where it's just like, oh, that was weird and that was creepy. Rather than right. showing you the whole thing and not only confirming it, but doing so in, you know, no uncertain terms. So right. I think it kind of, some of it, uh, again, if you're, if you're looking at this from a feminist perspective, and I'm no expert at all, so don't, uh, take, take everything I'm, uh, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt, but under these circumstances, and this happens in other, uh, media and with other villains as well, the idea that sexuality is in some way evil or associated only with villainous characters. Uh, because not only do we get this whole thing with Ragio, you know, molesting her own flesh and blood, we also see her essentially pleasuring herself several times in later episodes for no clear reason other than to make her appear as some kind of deviant. And in fiction, this often comes up that all villains are sexual deviants and or all sexual deviants are villains. Did I right. say heroes the first time or villains? Nope, you definitely said villains. Okay, good. I blanked for a moment. But uh yeah, the point comes down it comes down to that. Um even one of the uh even one of um Satsuki's lieutenants, uh Gamagori, who is an awesome guy, and I dubbed over in my head, I dubbed over every single one of his lines as if he were revoiced by Arnold Schwarzenegger circa nineteen eighty five. That is so perfect. <laughs> it was it was beautiful, but uh yes. he has this whole like all of his powers are vaguely S and M themed. He's he's really right. butch, he's really buff, and he's really into discipline and in and that Discipline being very much in the BDSM uh, sense, and I yeah, know that yeah, when he transforms, actually, he ends up with a what is it? He 
He wears the blinder. He's got the ball gag in his mouth. Yeah, he's basically he's basically gone full on uh, full on bondage gimp. Uh, I think. Yes, bondage gimp. And whenever Ryoko tries to hit him from outside, he just yells about how much he's enjoying it. He's like, ha ha, hit me some more. And you're like, oh, geez. And this is very clearly being played for laughs. Like, right. as he is just, no, this is just, again, so over the top. This guy who is so into, you know, being rigorously disciplined, both in, you know, both in life and in everything, is also, you know, a, is also as they say, asexual deviant. I don't, I don't right. uh, want to get into, you know, what is or isn't normal, keep it safe, sane, and consensual, so on and so forth, but uh, it's obviously being played for chuckles, and it still makes it just a little bit, uh, a little bit weird that, again, the only characters who have any control over their own sexuality, or, in the case of uh, Satsuki's mother, force their own sexuality onto other people are the villains. Now the Yes, this is this is very true. Yeah. Now with the latter part of part of that then yes, that's obviously, you know, that's reprehensible, reprehensible but uh in general, like I said, everyone else is, you know, the idea behind the idea of sex at all or anything related to it is just sort of absent even though everyone's almost naked even though um this is obviously, you know, supposed to be fan service out the wazoo. The only people where actual sexuality is in any way addressed are the bad guys. Yeah. Right. No, that's that's absolutely correct. And then, uh, you know, you had, had pointed this out, and I thought it was a great point. On the flip side of the coin, Ryoko, Satsuki, no, no, no. Yes, that's her real name. <laughs> um, Mako. Like, none of them really show female affection. Or affection at all, really, Yeah, like affection, part. period. Like, there's kind of that, there's the pseudo-biffleness going on between Mako and Ryoko, but they're so, like, devoid of emotion, it just plays out in a crazy manner and like the way in which Mako makes Ryoko feel better is just to be a lunatic which is her natural state anyway <laughs> she's like Ryoko are you feeling terrible eat these ridiculous croquettes that my mother made that we have no idea what's in them it might be meat but it also might be the dog oh look it's the dog and like things are flying everywhere <laughs> and like and then Ryoko's just kind of cracking a smile and I was like yes this is female bonding <laughs> sure what it was it was so bizarre but yeah. yeah, there's there's definitely no semblance of affection whatsoever. Like there's actually this hilarious scene where when it's no no no's turn to to fight Ryoko in the the later tournament, mm -hmm. she's like, "Ha, I've known Satsuki the the longest." And so they flash back to them being little kids, right? Mm -hmm. And you're you're waiting for this moment for it to be like little Satsuki with kind of a smile on her face. No, very no. <laughs> she like, looks she's exactly just a miniature <laughs> version of herself with that same super angry, super military, super I'm a kick your ass look on her face, and she's like, no, 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 hello. Like she talks exactly like she does as an adult, even when they're playing like in the sandbox. <laughs> it's so absurd, and you know, despite totally trusting all of her generals, she never shows an ounce of affection towards them. I think because the show is trying to trick you into the fact that she's the antagonist the mm. whole time. It does a brilliant job of that. I'll oh, yeah. That. 
But yeah, there's never an affectionate moment between any of the the female characters. Uh, at least not that, up until the lasting. end. But that's, yeah, there's you know, a moment at the very end. That's the Danu- very, very that's Denouement stuff. So it doesn't it doesn't really play out in the series proper. Right. It really it really doesn't. And that was kind of bizarre. Now, Dan, I had read an interview that Trigger gave at one of the conventions. It might have been Anime Expo. Okay. And someone was asking, or the interviewer was asking, uh, hey, you put these women in situations where they are in violent and intense battles that are normally reserved for men. What did you, you know, what were your thoughts behind having women do that? And the uh, person from Trigger who was talking actually admitted that the characters were originally all supposed to be men the the lead characters and they just swapped them in for for women later on mm. i i can't imagine that has anything to do with the super revealing outfits it can't <laughs> possibly be because of that of oh almost not. certainly no <laughs> wink though if they so, ha- though if it had i mean now you want to talk subversive that would have been the way to go yes that would have been hilarious in my opinion if they like the two men ended up in these ridiculous outfits that just, would have been like just what just dudes in booty shorts beating the piss out of each other <laughs> yeah i would be like well that's progressive question mark that's something so it's something it's something yeah um so that was an interesting point that they made but it it actually kind of supports the 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 wasted potential idea i guess i'm gonna throw out next because the the idea that you're gonna just swap men in for women Mm-hmm. I think is is something that most media should think about. You know, I, I saw an interview with Jennifer Hale, your favorite person ever. Oh, yeah. When uh, they brought her on, it was something on like IGN.com. It was like up at noon or something. And, you know, they were asking her about women and gaming like they always do with any female that gets on the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was saying, she's like, look, creators, one thing you should always think about when you're creating a character after you're done, look at your character and go, could this character be, and insert anything you can think of, could this character be female, could this character be gay, could this character be African American, swap out a whole bunch of stuff, and if the answer is no, you might not have a narrative or a character written as powerfully as you think. Mm. And I thought that was an amazing statement, and I carry that that with me. And I really think when you write up all these male characters, you know, these these anime shows, they should be able to swap in women, and it shouldn't super dramatically change the way everything is handled. Mm-hmm. And that that would show powerful characters and powerful narrative. Now, this breaks my theory a little bit, and shows wasted potential because if you're going to swap in for a female character, you actually had the potential to keep them in these really intense, super violent, you know, super showy fights and still Mm -hmm. give them an air of femininity. You could have still given them these moments Mm. where they connect or try and connect. You could have still added in these moments where these women try and bond with each other and not in a creepy hot tub, hot dog eating party kind of way. Or like trying to grope each other kind of way, which most of, you know, the all-female cast shows are known for. You you could have added in these moments that help define these characters or make them dynamic emotionally that is distinctly feminine. And there was definitely a missed opportunity in that moment that I I felt could have been there. I think I can 
I don't know if I agree completely, but I do definitely get a similar sense of what you were uh, talking about, because when you take these characters and just flip them, because they're in very traditionally masculine roles, their lines are very traditionally masculine, their actions, their interactions, pretty much everything about them feels like they just did exactly what you said, that they took a part that was written for a male character, pulled them out, swapped in these girls, and then put them in the most revealing outfits that they could think of. So what you end up with are characters that feel... I mean, they're bold characters. They're interesting characters. They're fun to watch, absolutely. But they do seem to lack dimensionality. Now, for an over-the-top action show, if you just want to, you know, watch this, eat your popcorn, and enjoy some crazy fights, that's enough. And, obviously, you don't have to, you know, not every female character needs to be right. traditionally feminine. Uh, I think I think it works in many ways with um, Ryuko, because she is, you know, she's very aggressive. She's very, you know, Absolutely, and they showcase that we can lack, have a shonen hero a that doesn't word. have to be male. Mm-hmm. And that's cool and all, but again, it, it feels like they did this with her and Satsuki, um... So there is some there is some missed opportunity to maybe get a bit more, you know, get more of an actual feminine presence in there. Uh, whether this is a detriment or not is really more up to personal taste, I think, than some of the other stuff we're talking about. Because your own, you know, everyone has their own idea of what is and isn't feminine and what is or isn't masculine. So... You know, there's a there's a very there's a very wide scale, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fluidity to that, um, especially when it comes to writing a character. So, uh, agreed. No, that's I that's think, a good point. Yeah. I didn't actually consider that the narrative is not. I guess it doesn't merit you having to explore that dimension of a character because most people going in were probably exactly like you said, just going in to watch everybody beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, and like I said, that's not to say that you shouldn't have those moments. Just that it was low; it was probably a lot lower well, on, on the, the uh, creator's priority list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing, actually, that you had uh, brought up uh, just along those lines is contrasting uh, both Satsuki and um, Satsuki and uh, Ryoko to other female characters. I know I mentioned uh, Faye Valentine as an example of a character who wears very revealing clothing, but she does so by choice. So I think that she, in some ways, is a stronger argument towards the feminist angle than these girls are. Uh, but you also mentioned uh, Balsa from Seri no Rubido, as you know, one of my favorite shows and favorite characters I, of I all time. Balsa. You know, Balsa's... She's clearly an incredibly strong female character. You know, she... She wields a spear better than anyone in the show, and she has an air to her that is most definitely masculine, but there's a lot of moments that showcase her in a more feminine light, and they they only add to her character, and they never do it in this incredibly overt way. They never do it in this, like, oh no, Balsa's getting too masculine, we better throw in a feminine moment like they do it so naturally and it's it's a really beautiful thing and i think that's what i was looking more for you know she has that sensitivity mm. and compassion that 
comes with being female. I'm not saying men don't have that too, but it comes mm -hmm. with being female and it's it's a very feminine trait that is interesting to watch play out when a character is, say, emotionally reserved, thusly making them harder or more of what you would consider a man, because that is how her character works out. I mean, I uh, I think I've talked about my favorite part of that show to you guys is one scene where Chagam is trying to run back to the palace because his brother has passed away, and, you know, Balsa's like, okay... Here's the deal. If you can run at me full force with my spear, I'll let you go. And so he tries. Like, he, he tries, and then he just misses completely. He doesn't quite make it, because he can't possibly hit her. She gets up, and she smacks him in the face full force. Mm. And she goes, how dare you raise a weapon at your parent? And I, I that was one of the most amazing sequences to me, because it showcases Balsa as this really strong disciplinarian but it also showcases that she has come to feel maternal instincts for this young man and in that mm -hmm. one moment you get all these different emotions playing out in her that i just thought made her one of the most brilliant female characters i've ever seen so yeah i could talk about her yeah. forever but yeah before, yeah, before, before we i get just blow too, clean too off track, track. <laughs> that's a brilliant show and she's a brilliant character but I was missing mm -hmm. a moment like that, and I got almost there because these women are so ass-kicking and they fit so in such an awesome way in the world, and I was looking for that extra tidbit, I think. So it was my own greed that I wanted that mm -hmm. moment or something like that to give that feminine edge to show me that Trigger did not just swap in men for women. But you know what? In terms of being an exercise where what they did was take roles that should have been male, quote-unquote, and put in women and achieve the same, like, awesome effect, I think it was a success in that regard. I would have to agree. I mean, if what we're talking about, a lot of our issues with this are not only subjective, but you could even consider some of them to be almost a little nitpicky. I mean, we're... We overanalyze stuff. That's what we do. But uh, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. You got to look. You know. You got to look further into things to see why you actually like them, and are there things and things you like that are troublesome? Because there often are. And acknowledging that uh, definitely makes it makes you a more uh, it makes you a more active viewer. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are some missed opportunities, but overall it accomplishes a really good thing by just giving this hoorah, absolutely crazy girl power show without making it all about gender politics. Yeah. It's just the girls are the ones doing the, uh, doing the overtop action this time. And that's really all you need. If you can accept that, then you can probably find a lot to enjoy about right. the show. Yeah, most definitely. So... Um, Dan, I want to kind of, I guess, come to our final discussion of what do you think this did for anime, I guess, as a whole, the anime industry as a whole? Because I've actually heard talks, or I guess I've read articles, that Kill a Kill, like, is going to revolutionize the industry. Like, this is the type of anime we want and we deserve and, you know, get rid of that moe nonsense. Everybody's getting so accustomed to this. More of this is what we want. 
And I had to think long and hard about that because it's clearly a well-done deconstruction of Shonen. It clearly mm-hmm. has really awesome female characters. Um, it clearly has a lot of fun doing what it's doing and takes you along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's clearly got a very bold uh, visual style and music that complement it and know what they want to do and get you there and are extremely well done in my opinion but i think Mm. we talked about all the downsides of it you know the fan service definitely is borderline creepy and yeah i mean does the fact that it made me desensitized to fan service make it a good thing is is that something in its favor really it's interesting thought exercise but i don't know that i am really into that there's definitely some uh hyper sexual moments and sexual praying Mm -hmm that are very creepy push the show into really bad territory for me a show i would not be okay owning because of those moments made me very uncomfortable and it doesn't showcase a wide range of emotion in its female characters in in any way shape or form it it misses the opportunity to give them depth and dimension because they are female Hmm. So it, we we discussed that. So I'm t- I'm talking an awful lot here. But what what are your thoughts on that question? Well, I've also heard things people talking about how Kill a Kill is or was going to save the industry and all of this kind of stuff. And you know, people crowing for more of this kind of thing because, as you said, and I am in some case, in some respects, one of these people that I think we that the. Uh, the industry is oversaturated with shows that target the otaku hyper fan demographic and a lot and a lot of what sells these days are you know these moe shows and girls being cute and But Dan don't you love seeing my little and... sister is so cute I could just cute her to death cute cute every core uh, every core No not <laughs> That that I can't explain. I can I can only assume that there is some kind of tax fraud going on that's allowing them to keep making money off that. But like I was saying, it comes down to that's in many ways what's profitable. So I can't entirely fault the creators for continuing to make that. But having something this bold and this big and this loud show up out of nowhere and sort of take uh, everyone by storm a little bit um definitely i think is overall a positive development it stumbled in a lot of places and it's not it might not be as progressive as it wants to think it is but it is still a a step in the right direction uh the fan service and everything else uh just you know it calls out in many ways the rest of the industry for yes, putting yes, this kind does. of stuff in but when you're still doing it yourself how deep does the irony hole go? Overall, I would still have to say that it's a fairly harsh, if not entirely intentional, condemnation of just how far the industry has slid, that it takes something this insane to make it clear that we are joking, guys, we are being sarcastic. Yeah, with like, these we're making in- fun of you, and this is how extreme we had to get. Exactly. This This is the height to which we had to arise in order to you know, shine a light on this. Are that you is, not entertained? Yeah, in a, in, a good, uh, in a good way like that, I would say. 
But yeah, regardless of the visuals, you know, the power of the show physically, emotionally, story-wise is pretty much always in the hands of women. Uh, Ryoko fights, she gets beaten up, she comes back for more, she wins. There, you know, there are character arcs for all of these, uh, for all of these girls, and that's great. Um, but one thing that I've, uh, kind of, kind of noticed, and this is partly just because I have a bit of a thing for older shows in general, even ones that I never saw when I was growing up, I've just rediscovered, is that when you look at a lot of older anime, you see more women in action-heavy roles being treated better than you might see them in Kill the Kill or other stuff. Uh, Cat's Eye from the 1980s, Bubblegum Crisis, right. also from the 80s. Uh, we discussed Faye from Cowboy Bebop, uh, Gunsmith, uh, Gunsmith Cats. In many ways, Kill the Kill is hearkening back to an older trope of this badass action girl, which sort of for a long time has been not totally absent, because there's obviously other examples. Balsa, you know, in somewhat more recent stuff, there's other uh, there's other girls in action shows that are definitely kicking ass and taking names. But it doesn't seem to be... It doesn't seem to have filtered through as far as other tropes, because the, you know... The very proper, uh, polite girl, the rich girl, the the tomboy best friend, those kinds of characters we can pretty much recite by rote and expect them to be in half of the shows that we watch. Whereas this one, the you know, of the the girl who is you know very action oriented and ready to you know do whatever it takes to achieve to achieve her goals, you know, femininity be damned has sort of fallen a bit by the wayside. So, I think it's a good thing to I think it's a good thing to see it coming back, but we should keep some perspective in that it's less that uh it's less that this is the first time we've seen something like this and more this is the first time recently that something big and high budget and widely recognized has rediscovered something that I think we've been missing for a bit. Yeah, yeah, I do remember there's, there, uh, we were watching Graduation with Brendan <laughs> that one time, and, and one of the characters, Kiyomi, is riding her motorcycle, because she owns a bike shop with her dad, and she oh, rides yeah. the motorcycle down, and you were like, whatever happened to that? The biker girl! The yeah. biker girl from the 90s! And there's actually a sequence where, like, Ryoko pretty... She is actually completely naked after she goes crazy at one point. Oh yeah, she, yeah, yeah. After her she suit like take, after yeah. Senketsu like takes her over and she just like steals a motorcycle from I think Nudist Beach and she just comes flying out of nowhere wearing a burlap sack and I was like, well, there's your uh, there's your motorcycle <laughs> girl. <Dan." laughs> so yeah, there they, she is sort they, of. <laughs> they brought it. They brought it back, kind of. Yeah, it's kind but, of. But yeah. yeah, no, I think. What you, I think what you uh, hit on earlier was that it it tried to accomplish something, and overall, I feel that it succeeded. Uh, but, you know, what about, what about you? What do you think? Uh, I most definitely yeah. think it succeeded. I, I think it's a really brilliant deconstruction. I think there's so much about it that makes it brilliant. I'm glad Trigger made it. I'm glad people talk about it. I'm glad mm. we're talking about it. And... I, th I think it really did bring so many unique things to the table. It brought things back, like you were saying, that it's unfortunate that we've forgotten we've seen before. Yeah. You know, from the 80s and the, the 90s. Like, guys, we had, uh, 
you know, we had like dirty pair, man. They, mm-hmm. they kicked ass and took names too. So we had these things and they, they just brought it back into style. And I think it's fantastic that it is back in style. And the fact that people are saying we want more women kicking ass in this extreme, you know, fight sequences that, that do in fact involve female characters and, you know what? If if everybody gets naked, it's all's fair in love and fan service. So, <laughs> if everybody gets naked, it's it's totally fair. Yeah. And I I think it tried to accomplish some really cool stuff, and I do think it succeeded on many levels. So, uh, Dan, there were a couple of questions I think I threw out that I guess I was kind of interested in your opinion on. So we want to close with those. Okay, I think it'd go be for it. Fun. All right, so. In a, in a rare discussion, I actually get to ask this. If we had swapped these characters out for men the way they were originally intended to be, do you think the show would be as successful as it is today? I don't believe so. I think that it would have probably, because of the talent involved and because of, it, uh, because of the style and the legacy that Trigger is building on, it would be respectable. It would be, you know, it would be enjoyed... But it would have felt like Gurren Lagan Part 2, I think. It would have felt too much like more of the same. So... I couldn't agree with yeah. you more. It it would have felt like Gurren Lagan, Or like they were trying to top Gurren Lagan. Uh-huh. Which, when, and... when you see the end of Ugh. Gurren Lagan, you can't top that. It's simply not... It's simply not possible, so don't even try. Yeah, it's like, don't... Don't try and attack that dimension. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, and I think that's that's fascinating that you can pull that off. So, yeah. nicely played. All right, so question two. Did these ladies ending up in really revealing outfits, these ladies being Ryoko and Satsuki, ending up in really revealing outfits for the whole show, uh, detract from their incredibly strong nature? In the long run, I would have to say no, because by the time this series ended, I had essentially, at least personally, bought into this whole ridiculous uh, setup and this, you know, insane world where clothing is evil and everyone's just gotta be right. nudity uh, is liberation. <laughs> exactly, everyone's gotta be everyone's gotta be naked in order to uh, in order to fight. I bought into that wholesale by the end of it. It does take some getting used to and depending on your sensitivity you might not feel the same way and i can totally respect that because there are parts in here that also make me very uncomfortable and when it you know mostly at the very beginning when the concept of these uniforms is introduced and then later on when we had the whole thing with ragio but that's a somewhat different thing uh those are definitely lower points for me in a lot of ways, but in the end, I think it managed to accomplish what it was setting out to do, both because of and in spite of that. I I'll agree with that. I think Ryoko's plight still kind of irks me that at the heart of it, it's like this girl was forced into this outfit she clearly didn't want to wear, and almost Stockholm Syndrome style learns to be okay with it Hmm. like i know there's a bonding between her and the fuku yes i just said that but Hmm. um it it just it doesn't end up playing off i think totally the way i was comfortable with but it's completely subjective on Hmm. my part so i i would definitely venture towards yes Hmm. for that question now same idea 
but do the outfits add to their incredibly strong nature? I wouldn't... My gut tells me no, but a finer look at it after rewatching some of it recently, I would say yes, but in only one specific case. In general, I think that if these girls had been in their normal outfits throughout the entire thing, it would have been just as good. I think that it would have been... It might not have grabbed as many people's attention straight out of the gate, obviously, because, you know sex sells and when you've got this when you've got this girl in uh you know either senketsu or jinketsu plastered all over all of your merchandise you're gonna you're gonna turn some heads and you're gonna attract some eyeballs but i think that the show could have worked perfectly well without that however in the case of satsuki specifically i think that in some ways it does emphasize her nature because she voluntarily puts on Junketsu. That is her decision. And it's not even because she doesn't think she can compete. She thought, her thinking is, how dare you get this before me? Indicating that she was already planning on doing this anyway. So I think with her, it's more of a personal, it's her taking the initiative to do so, choosing to do this, Whereas with Ryuko, it was more forced upon her. So, as I'm kind of I... mad because you just like stole my argument. Oh, uh, sorry, you but it... no, it was it was brilliantly put, well played. I also think that Satsuki is uh, it. It almost adds to her character, which I really applaud Trigger for because to me, you know, we never get this moment where the other side has any sort of, hell, even, like, any sign of emotion, much less sexual emotion. Mm. But I think Satsuki putting on Junketsu herself was almost a sign of just sexual confidence. Mm. Like, that that topic doesn't get talked about a whole lot, and I think sex is one of those things that Japan tends to avoid unless it's going all the way and, you know, you, you bought the hentai or the erotica or whatever. Mm. But it's a topic that, it mostly tries to skirt the issue by putting in these, like, creepy euphemisms or something. The games are definitely the worst. They're mm. like, oh, we need to keep this T for teen. Just just put in a bunch of euphemisms that are creepy and weird. Mm. And you're like, why didn't you just say sex, Japan? We we why know what you're why, talking about. Yeah, why didn't you just say it? It's It's not that big of a deal if you don't try and mask it in these creepy things. And so I actually thought of it as a, as a sexual confidence type of thing. I I'm probably also got swept into the motion that just everybody's naked all the time. And mm-hmm. But I think I absorbed it more so than let it wash over me and be like, I'm totally immune to fan service now watching this show. I was fully aware that it was happening all the time. Mm-hmm. But I also bought into the plot and I thought it was an interesting way to weave in that idea. Like at one point, I think Satsuki's actual line that she says is she's like, if it is for the sake of my goals, I don't care that I have to bear my bosom to the world. And <laughs> you're like, okay then. Like it, it just showed a confidence in her body and herself that was very sexually liberating i think mm. for for that and i think as a as a woman watching that and any woman who watches that there's a sexual confidence to her character that i think was very impressively achieved without actually having to have any sex on screen 
That's a good point. So, and I hadn't uh, I hadn't really considered impressive. that until rewatching it. So uh, yeah, good good points all. Awesome. Um. So I think the last question I've got is. I think we kind of attacked it earlier, but are these women so far detached from being women that they almost undermine, like, what they're trying to do and them being naked almost ends up being irrelevant? By the end, I sort of think it does, because at that point, the battles have gotten so crazy that we're, like, flying around and we go into space at one point so. yeah, we do go into space at the very end even i wasn't prepared for that yeah didn't didn't see that one coming but uh at that point yes May, them being you know less clothed or even nude and all of that doesn't it, it becomes irrelevant but it is not it never divorces itself completely i think yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think the transformation sequences don't help. Yeah. You know, the transformation sequences remind us that these characters are very distinctly female. The writers acknowledge that they're female, and they want you, too, to know that they are female. Hmm. So it, it doesn't totally accomplish it, but I, I, the final sequence where everybody is naked, and I'm <laughs> not exaggerating, everybody's naked, it makes it so that I think it it does in a lot of ways become irrelevant and you know what they're doing is is almost irrelevant of their gender. <laughs> mm, I would say so. so. All right. Impressive impressive points. So, Dan, yeah. I think you would say most definitely watch this show? Oh yeah. Um but I do have one final uh one final question here uh Ooh. before we before we draw our last conclusions and that would be that as a watching this as a woman, Sue, do you feel empowered in any way? Does this feel like a female power fantasy, or does this feel empowering for the female characters to see all of these women kick ass and take clothes and all of that? Yes. So there's actually two questions in there. You're tricky okay. like that. So I don't actually think it's a women's power fantasy. Because unlike something, let's say, the irregular at magical school, or magic school, right? That that new Shonen E thing. Where you've got this male character who's super stoic and super powerful. And he just, like, he just blows out of the water everybody you can think of. It's almost this idea that he's on top of the universe and he's so above everybody else that, like, nobody can touch him but desperately wants to be him. Oh. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it does that. Like, Satsuki's lieutenants want to impress her, but at the end of the day, they're all loyal to her out of their own volition. It's not like we all really want to be Satsuki or take her place or something. They're like, we follow Satsuki because she's awesome and satsuki is awesome she's not awesome because of power tripping she's awesome because she's just that kind of character hmm. you know and mako follows ryoko around because she's like i think you're nice and you're the first person who kind of noticed me as a person let's hmm. be biffles like it's it's nice to see that happening and it's clearly like women just blowing each other up not really out of power fantasy let's say but out of this narrative deconstruction of a of a shonen show so i don't think it's a power fan or at least i didn't feel like it was a power fantasy it's my opinion some people might see it as that all right but 
I will say I did feel empowered. And I think those moments where, I mean, yes, it was creepy anyway, but the, the molestation part or Ragio being so sexually fueled as a, as a villain or whatever really bothered me because the show did such a good job of really getting me excited about these characters. And as a female, I don't get a show like this very often. Hmm. I'm stuck watching these shows where it's the little sister character or it's like <clears throat> the awesome, maybe awesome character who shows up every once in a while, right? I don't I don't get this type of show where it's fully women fueled by agency and rage just hacking it out at each other and like i said i loved satsuki from the minute i met her and i loved watching ryoko have to get up again and again and again and again and like fail and just have to come back i think it was a very empowering show i think it stumbles in certain places it definitely makes me uncomfortable in certain places but it it is a very empowering show hmm. and I, I i hope other females watch it and kind of are able to take something away from it that is empowering. Cool. So, definitely awesome. Well, it looks like we have run out of time. So, Dan, thanks for getting on to talk about this. No problem at all. Happy to talk about it and glad uh, we got a chance to do so before it sort of fades into history a bit. But uh, hopefully, uh, Trigger will be putting out more crazy stuff and uh, it'll light a fire under other people to give it a shot. Yeah. Most definitely. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening and tune in next time. See you later.